Welcome, everyone. This is all about Windows Phone Inside Podcast 176, recording this on Thursday, the 7th of April, 2016. I almost got the year wrong then. Mr. <laughs> Rafe Blanford, hi there. Hello, everybody. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, a good relaxing break over Easter. So we're back after a fortnight. Got quite a few news and views to get through. I've been a bit out of touch from the Windows world, so I'm going to be relying on Steve to get me up to date, although there's a couple of big uh, discussion items that no doubt I want to stick my oar into. Yeah, we had uh, the the big news, I guess, was the fact that Microsoft had its big build conference and uh, you know, lots lots new and lots of new APIs. There's the appearance of the Bash shell for Linux users and presumably <laughs> sysadmins. There's the uh, the new project to get all the old Win32 applications um, repackaged as universal Windows uh, programs, which should really boost the whole ecosystem, I think, significantly over the next year or so. Um, people questioned Microsoft several times on why they didn't mention mobile specifically anymore, but uh, I think the reason is clear, Rafe. I mean, we've I'll linked in the show notes to a few of the uh, flows, including one by Satya Nadella, where he was in, uh, interviewed, I think, well, by Business Week. And uh, the, the, the thinking was, okay, look, this is one Windows. When we say Windows 10, we mean it's Windows 10 on the desktop, the hybrid, the, the phone, the Internet of Things, Xbox, HoloLens. One Windows is one Windows. The whole point of this massive thrust behind universal Windows programs is that they apply across all form factors. So before I just address the issue of a new phone hardware, does that make sense to you? I, I think it does. I mean... This is certainly the line that Microsoft is coming out with. Um, uh, Nadella is actually quoted as saying, I don't think of Windows for mobile differently than Windows for HoloLens or Windows for Xbox. We only have one Windows now. We don't have multiple Windows and they run across multiple fa form factors, one developers, one store, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I do feel though that's a little bit disingenuous because actually what people are asking about is why was there not more mention of Windows 10 Mobile specifically, and certainly at previous build conferences, it, it's been in the spotlight some more. But I, I think it does reflect the new reality that it is certainly currently, and, and perhaps overall less of a focus for Microsoft. But at the same time, I think you know anyone who's being very sceptical about it or very negative does you know need to sort of realise there is this kind of one Windows philosophy, uh, and you know in one sense it's actually symptomatic of a wider thing at microsoft actually mobile is endemic in everything they do and that's you know the services becoming available on other platforms um and so i, I don't think it's so much uh microsoft not addressing mobile um i i do think it's pretty obvious that windows 10 mobile is kind of the weak link in that windows or one windows chain just because of the number of devices out there but in one sense, you know, when something gets announced for Windows, there is a kind of inherent assumption that certainly some of that is available um, for Windows 10 Mobile and, you know, the universal uh, Windows apps obviously speak to that in a big way. And we might come back to that and sort of say it yeah. doesn't actually necessarily mean they always end up on Windows 10 Mobile. You know, that's a kind of um, definition and the way it gets explained. Sometimes Microsoft, again, is perhaps a bit disingenuous. Um, but... To be fair, Steve, it is quite telling that, you know, this build conference happened and we weren't immediately wanting to record a podcast to talk about all the big news. 
Um, and, you know, that is a change to previous years. But I wonder, you know, if you look at it more more generally, actually, there was less big bang news items. There were certainly some very topical things, uh, you know, Microsoft talked about conversation and chatbots as the kind of the, the third platform or the third way of interacting. You know, a lot of interest around that. And it's not just Microsoft, you know, you're seeing announcements almost every day about this. And I think Facebook will uh, do a lot of it at F8 in a couple of weeks' time. And I think actually just today as we're recording this, uh, Kick and other uh, over-the-top messaging services sort of announced a, a bot store. And obviously there's things like Slack and, uh, you know, WeChat in China has been doing this for a while and Line's also been getting involved. Uh, and, you know, there are plenty of activity around that. So, you know, to give Microsoft credit for being original there, it was just, just kind of following the trend. And HoloLens similarly has, has been announced. Um, you know, the Bash thing and the, the conversion APIs, you know, they're all good things. But, you know, there was just less news, I think, this year. And perhaps that's a reflection of the fact it's the year after the Windows 10 announcement. And actually, Microsoft now is going towards a pattern of these kind of continuous software updates. So inevitably, there will be kind of less big bang announcements. And, you know, I guess some people may have been expecting or looking to see uh, a Surface phone and certainly some of the news stories around that suggest that's actually going to be 2017. Um, and I think it's worth bearing in mind that things like the Surface Book and the Surface Pro 4 really haven't been out that long. But with all of that said, you know, I think people are absolutely right to talk about Microsoft having kind of less attention on Windows 10 Mobile. But is that really such a surprise uh, given what happened last summer when Saturn Adela talked about kind of effectively moving out of the mass consumer market or at least not competing in an ecosystem in the same way as uh, so an Android. And, you know, previously they'd certainly been trying to do that and Nokia before them had been trying to do it. Um, but it's no secret that that hasn't been very successful in the last few years. You know, the market share has been bumping along at a couple of percent. And even in, in markets where it's successful, it hasn't got much above uh, 10%. And so... You know, that to me isn't isn't particularly new. Is there some kind of you know new new setting where Microsoft has sort of backed away even further? I don't think so particularly. Uh, you know, I think as I say, this is kind of symptomatic of kind of the wider the Microsoft thing. And we we've talked this to death. And you know, I come across a lot of people who sort of say it's dead in the water. <laughs> and, you know, and you know, I can see where that argument comes from. If you look at it from a consumer and an ecosystem point of view, um, with a mobile first mentality, I don't think that's unreasonable. But in terms of the wider Windows ecosystem, you know, I still very much believe it's part of Microsoft's vision. I mean, if you're going to get philosophical about it, actually, Windows itself could be seen as a, a legacy business, given the all dominance of, of mobile, at least in terms of shipment numbers and number of devices. But that doesn't always reflect the reality of where work's being done, certainly in the enterprise. I mean, looking forward, uh, are consumers going to be predominantly using mobile devices? Yes, I think a large number of them are. But, you know, this idea that, you know, Windows disappears or you know somehow unimportant, I think is, you know, a gross oversimplification. Um, what I do think mobile, it's fair to say, that has changed the consumer market out of all recognition. And Microsoft is not a serious platform player in that space. Will it continue investing in doing things there? Yes, I think it will, because it's part of, as you explained, I think, think uh, very clearly many times, Steve, it's part of the wider Windows strategy. Um, but Microsoft will also be on those other platforms. It, it has to be, you know, and the announcements around Cortana and the cross-platform things there, as well as all the office things that have happened over the last couple of years. And so, you know, it, it feels like it's very easy to write a negative story about Build and Windows 10 Mobile or Microsoft's investment in Windows 10 Mobile as their kind of mobile platform or their mobile investment vehicle. 
but it, it, it strikes me there's nothing particularly new here and each side is entrenched. I think as you know, people who are effectively evangelists or certainly are users of Windows 10 Mobile, we have to be realistic and say, you know, it, it's not sort of in the same league at all as Android and iOS. But clearly there are pe- a lot of people who are using it, very satisfied with it. And, you know, there are you know, certain benefits to it. If you're stepping back and being a kind of, mobile visionary or you're trying to be an analyst of the overall market i think yes you absolutely do say that you know windows 10 mobile is not currently and it's difficult to see how it could become you know relevant to the market certainly in the short term in the longer term well who knows i mean will we still be thinking about mobile platforms in the same way what's a hololens and all those other new computing instances mean in sort of 10 years time so i i guess that's a very long-winded way of getting around this but um i mean my experience of kind of you know well, 15 years and more writing about mobile is the media does like to write the easy story. And in this case, it was, you know, there wasn't much talk about Windows 10 mobile um, at build. I mean, that happens at other events as well. You know, Apple hasn't announced a new iPhone or a new tablet or whatever it happens to be, or Google's um, IO event was a bit underwhelming or Chrome OS has been dropped and all those kind of things. Um, and we should pay attention to them, but I think sometimes it, it is helpful to step back and kind of look at the wider discourse, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just emphasize that, um, we, for example, um, talking about builds and operating, operating system version numbers, people talk about mobile as if it is separate from the desktop and, and hybrids and whatever. But if you look at, for example, the Windows Insider program for PCs and hybrids, you know, they're, they're in their current Redstone builds at the moment. Um, heading for red, the Redstone 1 release of Windows 10, that's the code name. But the builds for mobile, on, on the whole, have been identical and released on the same day. Now, this last one, this, this last week, actually was delayed because there was a last-minute bug found in the cellular stack. But generally, over the next few weeks and months, the mobile builds um, for I, devices for anyone with a you know, Lumen 830, 930, 950, 950XL, all the Windows 10 approved devices, if they sign up to the fastering of the Insider program, they get the identical kernel and uh, builds of Windows 10 and the same applications, the same, almost the same everything apart from the fact they've got a smaller screen and smaller UI as people on the PC. So it's not a question of, um, you know, Microsoft not giving as much attention to mobile. In actual fact, it's kind of the same code. When they give attention to the new builds of Windows 10, that those same changes, those same improvements, most of them actually become visible on mobile as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's absolutely right. And you know that story doesn't always seem to get get told in the media. I mean, I think it's understandable, but perhaps not so familiar with the Windows 10 mobile platform because it, it's not considered mainstream in the same way. Um, I mean, Steve, is it worth mentioning some of the things that were talked about at Build? And I mean, were there anything that caught your attention in particular? We've mentioned a few of them, of course. I mean, that also announced was the fact that it's coming in, in, in current builds and uh, in the next coming weeks and months would be the fact that you'll be able to uh, log in, for example, to web pages in Microsoft Edge using the authentication on your device, whether it's a fingerprint sensor on a hybrid or, or a, a laptop or indeed the iris recognition on the phone. Um, now, there, there is a totally separate Insiders program for the Microsoft Edge browser, which is kind of interesting, separate to the, uh, the Insiders program for the OS. And that's where these particular announcements were covered. And I haven't actually written up a flow story on these, but it's a, it's certainly an intriguing um, prospect, Rafe, that, uh, for example, you're on your, your Lumia 950 and you come across, say, a particular website where you know you've got an account, 
Um, and you, you, rather than have to enter the username and password, physically typing it on the small keyboard, um, you can just basically, you know, in my case, take my glasses off and stare the iris recognition system, Windows Hello, in, in, in the eye, and bang, you're logged in without actually having to type a password, which is a, quite a cool idea. It is, and I mean that also applies to apps. So you know, developers will be able to add that to their third-party apps. And I think anyone who's used fingerprint recognition on an iPhone or an Android device will recognise the kind of the utility of that that biometrics being applied. You know, rather than having to enter in, you know, a password or a PIN code or something like that. So you know, there's still little bits and pieces happening. But to your point, actually, this is happening across all the Windows devices. It's not just a Windows 10 mobile thing. And actually, if you weren't paying attention, you might almost have missed that it was uh, available on the phone. Um, one that caught my attention, and as you said, we have mentioned some some earlier, and the kind of the conversational and bots were the thing that was most interesting for me. But actually, Cortana is becoming ever more powerful and it's you know available, obviously, across devices and it's being included in lots of apps as well now. Uh, Microsoft, I think, talked about there being a thousand Cortana-enabled apps across kind of mobile and desktop and they can have a special section in the store but also now you'll be able to complete certain notification based tasks on your windows or android phone and vice versa so you can send and receive text messages on the pc for example and so that you know blurs the line between the two devices very sensible none of that is particularly cutting edge or new you know there's been mighty text and equivalent apps on android and iOS allow you to do some of these things but actually, the sort of that seamlessness of it working between Windows devices, I think, is worth highlighting, and it's also worth highlighting that they're making that available on Android phones as well. You know, Windows 10 mobile users might be a bit of gas, but obviously for Microsoft, it's a sensible way to do things. Um, and you can also allow your apps to perform certain tasks based on user contents and link existing actions uh, into to deep link into apps and websites, and so that. Cortana is becoming better integrated both into the devices itself but also cross-platform and we'll start to see some of these things uh, with the Redstone builds or with the, the anniversary edition there's various ways of talking about the the new versions coming on um, and yeah actually the Windows 10 kind of the developer environment the, the new things around obviously uh, Xamarin but also you mentioned the converters for kind of Win32 apps as well um, so it you know, when, when you actually come down to it, this was uh, one of these unusual build events that really was more about the developers in some ways. In recent years, Google I.O. and even WWDC <laughs> have attracted an enormous amount of media attention. And, you know, they start featuring on mainstream news. You know, you watch the BBC 9 o'clock news and, you know, they'll talk about Google I.O. and Apple WWDC. It's worth remembering these are developer events. Um, and I think Microsoft build sort of put that message home a little bit more um and you know it's it's still going to have a, a a tremendous impact and if you think this is one year on from you know windows 10 happening and, and let's not forget you know they talked about the success of windows 10 now being on 270 million devices um much faster than ever happened for windows 7 i think they talked about it being about 150 percent faster um you know so it's off to the fastest start and you know, people spending loads and loads of time. The, the figure they quoted was 75 billion hours. And so while we are used to talking about very big uh, numbers for mobile and Android would actually obviously be substantially bigger than that. And iOS would also be bigger. That's still an awful lot of computing devices and an awful lot of, you know, user time. And so while it's obviously, you know, for those of us who are really interested in mobile, that's where our, our focus would be. But it's worth remembering a lot of computing still happens within the Windows ecosystem. And I think 
just a, a reminder of that and the types of computing that are happening as well are also worth bearing in mind um you know when there's all of this talk about you know is microsoft still relevant of course it is you know it's got many billion dollar businesses and it's operating in many spaces is it you know less visible and less relevant to the consumer you know is it at the forefront of what's become a mobile first world i, I think not but even so build still gives us a, a kind of a useful reminder that microsoft is a very big big company yeah, there's been some speculation changing tax slightly and talking about um, OS releases and, and and hardware. There's been some speculation on various sites about when we might see this rumoured Surface phone, um, or at least a change from the Lumia brand to the Surface brand. I still think that is actually likely, but uh, the speculation was that this wouldn't now happen until 2017. Uh, I'm I'm tempted to say there might be some sort of announcement in in the autumn of this year. I think things are kind of keyed in, just as the 950 and 950XL were to the operating system releases, just as those were keyed into the release of Windows 10 Threshold, i.e. the first release of Windows 10 Mobile. And we've got this Redstone uh, Redstone 1 codename release, which I think is still scheduled for sometime over the summer 2016. Um, and the 950 950XL are clearly well-placed in terms of specifications to still be a, a, you know flagships in the Microsoft range for that release. I don't think there's necessarily a need for another shiny device just yet. Um, the, the, the thought seems to be, across uh, <laughs> gathering thoughts across all the different sites, is that Redstone 2, which is the next codename release for Windows 10, this ongoing operating system development, which is now looking to be pushed into the start of 2017, that will be the perfect launch platform for, say, a new device, a new, a new hardware platform, and uh, new shiny, shiny things. My, my thought, Rafe, just to, 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 go, to um, amplify one of those thoughts, is that the 950-950XL, but it's powered by a Snapdragon 808 and an 810, they're still eminently um, highly powered, three gigabytes of RAM. Those will run any version of Windows 10 Mobile very, very well all throughout 2016. So I'd kind of argue, really, you don't, don't actually need, need a new flagship at all. I, I think that's a, a reasonable uh, argument to make. I mean, the the thing is that you have to be careful of you know people are going oh that's going to be eighteen months you know from one flagship to another people are used to the yearly update cycle but we're going to have to be careful not to judge these kind of releases and the device update cycle like we would the kind of the rest of the consumer smartphones <laughs> I mean in some ways that's a massive cop out and I acknowledge that but yeah. um, you know you, you can't sort of say on the one hand that Microsoft has stepped back and we kind of see that and that's happened and then judge them by the standards of everybody else um you know that's sort of having your cake and eating it as a critic at least to to my mind um so you know i, I think that's a reasonable especially i i wonder whether there'll be any devices between now and then maybe something in the the mid-range i mean we talked about the 650 as being a pretty attractive device and again a very capable windows 10 mobile device i think we'll see stuff from partners and so it's worth remembering that um HP and some of the others that we talked about from MWC will be releasing some devices. And actually, you know, we've seen stuff from um, Acer coming out as well this week. Um, the HP Elite X3, which is due out over the summer, might well take the flagship crown. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, it's not going to be widely available in shops. And, you know, this is kind of the new reality of the Windows 10 mobile ecosystem such as it is. Um, so, you know, there's actually quite a bit to come. And so if you want to get excited or interested in that, but you're right. Um, I think we've kind of made it clear that the 950 and 950XL in some ways underwhelmed us um, in terms of the actual hardware design and kind of the kind of relatively conservative nature of them. So, you know, the Surface phones are really going to have to wow and they're going to have to be really good to sort of persuade people that this would be a phone that they might uh, choose to buy and use, um, you know, 
the Surface device is always kind of interesting because Microsoft has sort of teed them up as being an example of what you can do. And are they looking to sell millions? Of, of course, they want to sell as many as possible. So I've always felt that sort of a little bit, um, well, not two-faced of them exactly, but, you know, saying that Surface is just a kind of a benchmark for what we want everyone else to do and so pretend you're not going to try and sell it as much as possible. Uh, I guess there is a balance between that, so I shouldn't perhaps be too unfair on Microsoft. And the same would presumably apply to Surface Phone. I think they'll have a harder job just because of the relative uh, merits on the positioning of Windows in those two spaces. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's a good bet. The interesting thing about the timing for Redstone 2 that you were talking about there is kind of next spring. It's definitely out of whack of kind of the consumer um, market in terms of releasing and getting phones onto the market in one sense because we've always been used to having the Microsoft flagships and the Nokia flagships before it used to sort of typically come out in the autumn and ready for the Christmas market and we're sort of seeing a bit of a change suggesting maybe it'll be the spring but actually that's when the Android flagships come out um, is there going to be a bit of a gap where it feels like there hasn't been a big Windows flagship? yes but again as I said that's judging it by previous standards or by the standard of the wider kind of smartphone market which you know, as I say, I, I do realise that's a cop out in some ways, but you know, we, I, I want to be careful we don't end up doing this all the time on the podcast, sort of making <laughs> excuses and then looking at the other way. But I, I do think you need to sort of kind of keep a broad, broader view on this. Yeah, I, I noticed, uh, by the way, that got a slight tangent that uh, the Lumia 950 on Amazon certainly um, is now down to three hundred and eighty pounds. So it's coming down all the time. Um, we did originally say, I forget the exact figure, it's somewhere around the 350 mark. If it came in at 349, then it, then that would be about the right price. You know, it's not going to end up at far off that. I think it, back in um, October, November last year, when the, the full RRP, the horror of them was unveiled, which was four, 499 for the 950, and that's 549 or something horrendous for the 950XL. We both said, look, this is just ridiculous, ridiculous prices. Um, and they came down relatively quickly. We're now down to 380, including that in the UK for the 950 SIM free. I think that's actually a fair price given the specifications and the imaging and the processor and the RAM and the screen tech, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the 950 XL is still at uh, 450, but I expect that to come down by 20 pounds or so as well. These are certainly phones for enthusiasts, Rafe. You can really see what, what Satya Nadella meant about uh, seven months ago when he announced this, this new strategy. And certainly the 950 and 950 XL, they, they, are, they are for enthusiasts of the platform, basically knowing that those enthusiasts will jump straight onto Redstone and will basically like living the cutting edge lifestyle, the bleeding edge as it were, as Windows 10 Mobile goes on and on and beyond. We've already seen, for example, a next generation version of Maps and a next generation version of Windows Camera, both appearing just for Redstone builds. So um, my 950 and 950XL are both now on this latest Redstone with the latest applications. And I have to say, I've never been happier with them. Um, <laughs> yes, there are some glitches. That it is still obviously an insider's build and there are a, a few known issues. But, you know, compared to my current uh, android phones even well because the iphone i've got here is 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 pretty stable but then it's also pretty boring i'm sorry iphone fans if you listen to this but uh, it is but uh, the, the excitement of being on the redstone and, and actually every single day there's a new update every single day there's a new fix every single day there's something next generation coming along it's quite an exciting time to life, be alive, and you can exactly see what they say when they say these phones are for enthusiasts. They're a good hardware spec. They're designed to keep the, the fans of the platform going all through 2016 as they enjoy the, all the, 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 the fruits of what Microsoft's programmers are coming up with. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's right. And certainly in terms of value, 
you know, approaching that 350 or you know, 380 at the moment mark does feel a lot more reasonable and you know that is what a saving of 200 or more on a on a flagship phone i mean it it's perhaps hard you know if unless you're you know falling into that windows fan category or you want to work on these these devices in particular it, it is still hard i think to recommend them over if you're looking for a flagship phone over something like the iphone but i absolutely understand what you mean by the excitement certainly if you're into that you know it, it's going to be great and actually i think the the problem i have is actually there's more of a bigger apathy around flagship phones you know people will say oh you know, they've got the iPhone 6, why should I upgrade to the 6S? And I think it'll be interesting to see whether that continues with the 7. And certainly the latest version of the Android devices, um, you know, Samsung has had to work very hard to make their devices, uh, you know, attractive to upgrade. And that's, uh, they've got an advantage in one sense because people who are on something like the 5, you know, can definitely see the advantage of the 6 and the, you know, the 7 have over it. And, you know, LG's not dissimilar. I mean, I feel like they had a little bit more catching up to do um, in the same way that Windows would do if it was, you know, pre- producing uh, new phones. But that, what, what I'm talking about is that apathy means, you know, a lot of people looking at the phones and, and thinking a little bit more about the update cycle. And that I'm probably referring here to kind of power use and people who are really into their mobile tech. And some of us are always going to buy the latest and greatest phone. But there is another segment who's maybe just a little bit more cautious. And they're starting to behave a lot more like ordinary consumers who keep a phone for a couple of years and then upgrade. And so it's interesting, actually, the whole value thing around flagships is getting more interesting. That also is, of course, in the UK market and other markets ties in with us are divorcing and going away from subsidies. And now you, on contract at least, you know, you pay for the phone separately to your service. And I know a lot of markets have been like that for a long time. But, you know, uh, for us in the UK, I think that sort of had a, a noticeable impact. And so actually, in, in some ways, you know, if you're talking about a £350 phone, there's some interesting flagships or indeed getting a device that's a year older. And so you look at something like the iPhone SE, I think is a, a good example that ostensibly yeah. an old phone, but actually incredibly capable. And in some ways, you know, if you're not really wanting that bigger screen iPhone, it's it's arguably the best value iPhone to get right now, because it's got a lot of the newer hardware in it while kind of keeping the cost down a bit. And you know, I, I for one think that's actually a pretty attractive device. I've actually got used to the bigger screen size now, so I wouldn't want to go back to a four-inch device. But I know a lot of people I know have kind of been looking at that and switching away, you know, both from Android and also some some Windows devices as well. I mean, that churn is an ongoing process. Um, so I guess that's just a, a long long way of saying um, what I agree with you on the value. But actually, it's become a more complex picture now to talk about. You know, as I say, there's always the mega fans, but there's those who are you know interested. In, I think would say they're you know invested in tech and like it uh, you know some of them it, it's a hard decision to make um for you know if you're into your windows phone and you're looking at oh, i quite fancy that 950s upgrade it's a good time to buy because you're going to get a good price and you're going to get a good lo- long run on the phone probably before something else comes out which is you know always to always to be welcomed um if you're kind of looking at this and going oh i'm not sure do i want an android or do i want a windows phone without sort of being too painful about it, I'd probably go, you probably do want to look at the Android or the iOS ecosystem because you, know, you probably already know if you want a Windows device. And you know, that is, again, a reflection of where Microsoft is in the space now and you know that retrenchment last summer. Um, but 
it's interesting. I've actually come across in the last week a couple of people using Windows to phones actively, and they sort of saw me using mine and kind of almost shrieked from across the room with delight <laughs> that they found another Windows phone user. And you know, read, read into that what you will, but there's clearly some people out there who really like using device, and actually one who bent my ear for about 15 minutes about how they're planning to upgrade to the 950, and it was actually then the they bemoaned the app situation but then said actually apps don't matter all that much to me i like the fact it does all the basics really well and that's what's important to me and um, i think those who are on other platforms or maybe app says should just remember that you know there's always lots of different customers lots of different audiences out there um, i'm not suggesting it's suddenly going to go massive or anything but you know criticizing someone for buying a certain phone uh, avoid doing it because everyone's got the right to make their own choice really yeah, yeah. Talking of updates, by the way, which you were just now, just if I could direct your attention, Rafe, to a chart I put up on the site about a week ago. And I always like to draw your attention to charts because then you always get to criticize me for my choice of pastel <laughs> colors. But if you can look up the story in this, we put in the show notes of ver- versions and branches, the evolving story of Windows Phone and Windows 10, essentially after the, uh, the news about the update. Um, to, from Windows Phone 8.1 to Windows 10 Mobile. Some devices were deemed um, suitable and some weren't. Um, and this caused a bit of furore. And we chatted about that in the last podcast. But there was so much confusion exactly where each particular device stood and what all the different code names were and which devices would, would go how far. I thought I'd try and attempt after about five different uh, tries. I finally got it all into diagrammatic form. And I'd welcome your comments, Rafe. Let's have a look here. Oh, yes, that's a that's a very pretty chart, Steve, although I'm not quite sure about the combination of colours. You've got a, a green in there for appears to be no apparent reason apart from background colouring that sort of <laughs> looks a little bit like, um, well, catsit green, actually. But anyway, uh, aside from that, this is actually a great way of summing up and seeing immediately at a glance where or what's available for each of the phones. And you can see within the orange circle all the kind of a bit, phones that have the ability to have... Uh, threshold and, and the redstone branches and of course the uh, i guess we could call them the abandoned windows phone 8.1 variants um yeah. some, some made a little bit more difficult by the fact there's uh the 635 which has the 512 and one gigabyte uh variants i'm glad to see you managed to include that particular detail and then of course we've got the much older devices i, I hope there isn't anyone listening to this who's still using a windows phone 7 device because i feel <laughs> well and I, I admire your commitment and um because you've listened to us prattle on about windows phone 8 and windows 10 yeah. mobile for for ages uh but yeah it's it, it's a it's a nice chart and it's actually clear i mean it's a bit in some ways it says a lot that we have to come up with something like this to explain it clearly um but that goes back to what we said before really steve doesn't it about it we think it's good that microsoft is making this available and while there's some uh user frustration and so some people think why on earth do you bother with the insider program keeping up it's the fact that you've got the choice to do that and microsoft is being much more open about it it's absolutely to be welcomed and so I'm always reluctant to sort of criticise them for that. We, we did that topic to death last time around. Thank you, everyone, who kind of commented on the podcast story or sent in something via email or on the original news stories because actually it was, a, it was, for the most part, a friendly and well-informed debate. And I think everyone could see that there was more than more than one side to it. And I think in the end, it was quite reasonable about it. But yes, it's nice to see this update because it does uh, give you an at-a-glance view of where the situation, as you said, I mean, this uh, branches in these trees. I mean, let's just say it's got to be a very complicated, very big tree with lots of branches, it feels like. Um, and so this is a great way yeah. to be able to summarize it without ha- getting lost in the forest. 
Yeah, well, I blame Nokia for releasing so many models in the first place. <laughs> if they hadn't done about 15 models a year, we wouldn't have to write such a complicated chart. Um, it's just it's worth emphasizing that those, those, quote, abandoned models, the ones that the 520 through to the 1020 and 1320, which Microsoft deemed the experience of Windows 10 mobile wasn't good enough, you can still go up to the, with any of those devices. You can go up into the Windows 10 mobile world of threshold via the Insiders program still, and you will still be able to do so from several months to come. And if you don't like it at any point in the future, literally any point in the future, right into 2018, 2019, theory and beyond, you can go into the Windows uh, recovery tool. And Microsoft has promised to keep those original 8.1 firmware images on their servers so that, say, like, you've got 10, you Lumia 1020, you think, oh, heck, I want to enjoy Windows 10 Mobile. And you play with it for five months, six months. Redstone comes and goes. And you think, well, OK, you know, I really did like it back on 8.1. And oh dear, the insiders program is not available anymore for my 1020. I'm not getting it for their updates, but no problem. I can still go back to a good old cuddly 8.1. So it's just worth noting that there is absolutely a way back. And Microsoft has pledged that that will, way back will carry on existing, which I think is jolly good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm prattled on a lot long <laughs> enough about that. Now, um, we have, uh, the games directory. Now, a while ago, Rafe, you may remember I did a application directory, which you made nice cooing noises over. So after much, many requests from people, I attempted a games directory as well. Um, we, did you have a look at this in the last podcast? I can't remember. I've certainly we, managed to get about 150 elements there and, and entries there. So do have a quick cast down and see if there are any of your favourites there, Rafe. Yeah, we did mention this uh, on the last podcast, but I noticed you've been doing some surreptitious additions while my yep. back was turned. And <laughs> you've been, I think, uh, going through the uh, the comment thread. And again, thank you to everyone who sort of suggested yep. their favourites there. Things like Virtual Pool and sort of the, the Candy Crush runs, are, I guess it's secret shame that I have to admit to addictions like that but sometimes when you've got the odd uh, 10 minutes while you're sitting on a train or public transport or otherwise engaged when you just want a quick distraction um actually pretty much anything on the system and just looking down at uh yes um, things like virtual pool definitely on 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 my list of favorites yeah and some of the big name stuff i mean like Ang- angry bird i mean i'm not the world's biggest um uh, smartphone gamer so it, it's partly a time thing probably shouldn't say that uh, uh, too much because you're asking me to critique your your games this but actually um yeah i mean i'm looking seeing a lot of familiar titles on here including ones that you've kind of reviewed uh time over time on here and yeah it's it's such a really good selection so i mean uh, and presumably you're still open to people suggesting new additions to this Absolutely, and I'll go back to the the thread every couple of weeks from from now through 2016. And if there are good suggestions, then I'll add them to the directory. And at some point, I may republish the directory just to bring it to people's attention. But uh, hopefully, it's a good resource for people, and just not just because it suggests titles they may not have heard of, Rafe, but because for quite a few of the high profile titles, there's been a well publicised clones and fakes of those titles. So, for example, Big Title A gets launched by Electronic Arts. And within a couple of days, you've got 15 different titles of subtly different variations of exactly the same game with identical icons, all trying to lure people into downloading their, not quite malware, but misleading adware and uh, uh, you know something masquerading as the game when in actual fact it's just a page of text, all that sort of stuff. Microsoft, for the umpteenth time, could do a much, much better job of curation. And yet again, I'm available at very cheap.
keep rates, but they never <laughs> seem to call me. Um, but yes, if anything, anything else, that this games directory links to the actual game, not to any of the fakes. So if you're in any doubt, go via our directory and you will end up at the right place. Yeah, so things like Cut the Rope Experiments and uh, Subway Surfs and Temple Run always suffered from things like that. I think Quiz yeah. Up was one of the ones we waited a long time to turn up and there were numerous fakes. Um, I will give a shout out to Hill Climb Racing, which I spent um, a, a lot of time in the past trying to perfect various levels on that. Um, Angry Birds, yeah, not so much, but um, uh, so I think I probably mentioned my Secret Candy Crush shame just a little bit earlier. But also some of the car racing games, you know, Perfect Shift and It's Ilk. You know, there, there's some great stuff on here um i said it in the last podcast you know actually if you just work your way through this list it would keep you very happy as a gamer for <laughs> a significant period of time and so it, it you know it we always used to have this debate about are there enough available to keep everyone happy you know just in terms of numbers there's clearly enough here to keep you entertained for a long period of time even yeah. if you go through you know one of these games a week or something um and, and it's interesting you know how much enough and of course some people people want to play the latest stuff and you know the things that their friends are playing on ios and android but um for sort of the more casual game and certainly i'll put myself in that category if i want something i'd just come and have a look at this list and i'll be able to find something to uh keep me entertained and amused um i guess if you're a more serious gamer you say you're going to be on an android or ios device and getting the latest and greatest but uh perhaps if you're you're not so much a gamer you could want to waste some time this is the perfect place to start and to counteract all those hours on the couch or wherever you are <laughs> playing these games, I should want to finish off with just a brief nudge about Microsoft Health, Ray. Yes. Now, I did invite you to my latest challenge, and you haven't replied yet, so I'm hoping you're going to get on board over the next week or so. But essentially, there's been an update to the Microsoft Health application. and This ties in with, of course, cross-platform and also with the Microsoft Band wearable, if you've got one. But also any Lumia, for example, with a motion coprocessor that's got this sensor core um, chipset, which is good. You know, the vast majority of people listening to this will probably have something that's suitable. They can all count steps and they can all take part in this. And basically, if you if you um, install Microsoft Health now, it then connects up via your Facebook friends. Yes, I know, I know Facebook, but hey, let's some of us have have got some friends. So let's use them, and, and many of them, you know, do actually use Microsoft Health. So you hook up via Facebook. You can then challenge your friend to a, a steps challenge, one day, three day, five days, and then you can basically keep track of who's in the lead. And it sounds like a bit of a, a novelty, Rafe, but I've seen this in use in my family, my, my wife and her friends and her, her colleagues, and it really does spur them on to do more and more exercise. The fact that um, Rafe Blandford has just walked 12,000 steps up over some more will spur me on to do five laps of the estate just to try and catch up with them. So, <laughs> and that, that's, so it really is worth a look. Microsoft Health is completely free program. Hook up by some of your Facebook friends. Get get issuing challenges. If, even if you don't issue a challenge, it also shows you just how active they've been and how many steps they've been doing generally. And uh, it'll give you something to chat about when you next meet up and say, "Well, you're slacking a bit, Rafe, or whatever." So, uh, a hearty recommendation from me. I was hoping you weren't going to mention this, and therefore I could avoid your challenge. But now that <laughs> you've issued it directly, I think I have no choice but to. Uh, take it up although i i do notice from the screenshots that um you hadn't been for your morning walk and so you were actually on third place on the leaderboard so maybe there's hope for me yet so i guess we can report back in a future podcast who's winning the uh the step battle between uh rafe and steve well actually you can join us because if you uh follow us on on facebook or anything like that you'll be able to join in the fun yeah. so i'll i'll get uh this sorted out in the the next week or so and report back but yeah it's great to see because this kind of gamification as you said i mean it's kind of standard now on pretty much all of these fitness trackers you know and fitbit have you know promoted it heavily as a way of um you know 
encouraging people to get more exercise. And actually, if you look into some of the research that's been done on this, there is this suggestion that what's effectively peer pressure or peer motivation uh, actually can be pretty effective. And they're suggesting that people who, and the study that I read said that people who had more than five friends on their kind of leaderboard or their follower list, uh, on average, uh, increase their exercise by about 20%. And I can well believe it because there is that, so that niggle matches. You notice that Steve's just gone around the block again and add an extra 500 footsteps. And, right. Uh-huh. I'll, ta- I'll take the long, long route home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I promise not to attach my, uh, Microsoft band or my phone to a tumble dryer or anything like that. Cause obviously that would be cheating. <laughs> Indeed. And I should notice that, uh, of course, it does depend whereabouts your friends are in the world. So, for example, you may leap ahead by 10,000 and just because your friends are asleep in New Zealand. And of course, then they're going to leap ahead when it's their daytime. So there is a grace period of 12 hours at the end of each challenge, whereby if Microsoft fully recognizes that your friend may be on the other side of the planet and they need to catch up a bit. So, uh, but it, that notwithstanding, uh, yes, my hearty recommendation. And if it gets all of us with that bit fitter, then uh, why not? We're kind of out of time, Rafe. Um, we, we did keep promising to mention continuum and i i have got my display dock permanently wired into my setup here now and i've been trying to use it for longer periods the biggest restriction here is the fact that there's so many um universal windows programs aren't actually fully continuum compatible yet they're grayed out in the list but uh maybe maybe uh, i know you've been on holiday but maybe now you're back over the next week you you and i can both spend a bit more time we finally get around to this promise topic of continuum on the podcast and and uh, you know where it, the, the concept might go in the coming months but in the meantime i will say goodbye and i'll let ray finish off with any yeah. final thoughts uh, i'll sign off as well yeah please do send us any feedback you have and don't forget to tune into the podcast next time and thanks very much for listening